while police photographing our license plate. What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio Program, and I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. My guest today is from the Heifetz International Music Institute. Indeed, our Reasonable Voice today is Benjamin K. Rowe, the President and CEO of the Heifetz International Music Institute. The Heifetz Institute was founded in 1996 by concert violinist and teacher Daniel Heifetz, who retired after a 30-year solo concert career to focus on educating the next generation of great young musicians through his pioneering cross-disciplinary Heifetz performance and communication training method, where students learn not only about acquiring great technical skill on their instruments, but also about how to be complete, expressive performers through instruction in public speaking, voice training, drama, yoga, movement, and physical conditioning. So, with that, welcome back, President and CEO Ben Rowe. How are you today? I am well, thank you, Marcello. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. I was just thinking the same thing about you. You know, it's just been too long, and I so much has happened, my goodness, since we last spoke. As a matter of fact, I can't resist this one. Forgive me, Ben. Neither rain nor flood nor global pandemic will stop the Heifetz International Music Institute from delivering. What do you think about I that? Guess, well, I think that's pretty good. <laughs> I, uh, it has certainly been uh, an interesting um, summer, and what you're referring to is the fact that while... Of course, so many things uh, all around us have either been completely shut down or at least on pause or on hold since uh, the early March. Um, we actually forged ahead with the Hyphus Institute by be creating a Hyphus Virtual Institute where we had 100 students from all over the globe participating in our, I'll use air quotes here, normal program that we usually hold on the campus of Mary Baldwin University here yes. in Stanton. Yes. 
Yes, I certainly have been following you as I always do. Doesn't sound like from what I can see in here that you have missed a beat. I didn't mean that. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we try to I, I wish I had. Not to... We try to teach our students not to miss any beats, you know, That's on Shalom. Right. <laughs> Although, that actually does suggest the number one challenge that we had to face and to overcome, which is uh, in the world of Zoom and online learning, mm, yes. one, one of the things that is the hardest, and some might say nigh on impossible to achieve, is how you can collaborate successfully with another musician, be that another string player, another pianist, uh, anyone across you know the time and space over the internet uh, in a simultaneous method it's it sort of defies the laws of physics for us to try to pull that off well then tell us how you did it <laughs> yeah. yeah the trade secrets well well one thing that that certainly when all the school conservatories and everyone else went online in the summertime the fact that there have been music lessons and instruction online is nothing particularly new mm -hmm. all the other things that we had to do about it were actually quite new which is how you we even were able to create chamber music that right. is to say string quartets and string quintets with performers literally in three different continents and six different time zones all finding a way to play beethoven and mozart and mendelssohn together which I'll tell you is a pretty sophisticated trick to pull off. Yes, and you know, and I had a, I had a specific question about that because uh, being very familiar with chamber music and how that's so intricate. Uh, I mean, they breathe together and they can see each other and the music. I mean, so I that was one of my questions. So go right ahead and answer it five minutes before. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I'll just I'll just step back for a moment and just offer a general framework. Okay. Um, we were really the most important thing and the most important decision we made, Marcello, was the very first one, which was that we realized with uh, the work of our board of directors, we put together an impromptu task force, and we realized early on in March that it was going to be impossible for us to have a summer institute. Mm. And, and quite frankly, this is a moment when all of us and many of our peer institutions were kind of, you know, keeping fingers crossed and praying that everything would be fine by the summertime. Mm -hmm. And of course, yeah. that's not what panned out. And the reason I mentioned that was that then we had to really think hard about what we were going to do, knowing that we couldn't have a physical institute that was just not in the cards. Mm -hmm. What are the options going to be? And we've seen this play out. You know, many institutions basically said, well, look, we're just going to take the summer off, mm -hmm. you know, and just, and just basically do a, and etch a sketch and, and uh, clear the board and, and hope to try again next summer, mm. which we certainly could have done. But our artistic director, Nicholas Kitchen of the Borromeo Quartet, who teaches yes. at New England Conservatory, he felt very strongly that losing a summer of the intense instruction that we typically offer at the Heifetz Institute would be nothing short of catastrophic for our students. Yes. I mean, these are, in their terms of their development, it's like, Olympic athletes taking a summer off. They don't mm. do that, right? Mm. I mean, you have a, a limited window within which to perfect your skills and to really hone your talents. And hopefully with some of the unique skill sets and educational approach that we have at the Hyvis Institute. So we then said, okay, if we're going to do a virtual institute, what will that look like? How can we do that? How will we build that? Mm -hmm. So 
that's where all of the real work started, which is if we were committing to having this program, then we had to kind of reverse engineer it to say, how can we create these same outcomes that we typically have at the Institute in this environment, which was an incredible learning experience, I have to say, yeah. and, and the, the tools that we had to develop and the goodwill and good hearts of our faculty and our students to participate in this I hate to use the word novel, but novel venture really made an enormous difference. And once you had that kind of commitment and that philosophical kind of bent, then we were actually able to figure out a lot of the technical stuff. But it really had to start with kind of a, a philosophical drive to begin with. Yes, I can, I can understand that. But of course, it's easier said than done. And you guys really have pulled it off and are still doing that. I'm I don't want to jump to the fall yet, but for all that you have done and said today and all that I'm aware of you're doing this summer, I do want to talk about the fall. But let's get back to my question that I was going to ask about chamber music. How you've explained so well without giving us giving away secrets but <laughs> and I'm not no, what she was saying, I've been dancing around the question that's right um, you, you did that extremely well but well, I, I remember when I first became aware of, of your virtual university this summer and then of course in preparation for this interview one of the things that popped in my head right away was chamber music because as I've already said it has a special component built in that requires it seems to me or maybe it doesn't require it, but it certainly breathes on, another pun intended, I guess, how the performers in such close proximity, both musically and physically, are able uh -huh. to sense every, every moment, every breath between the phrases. I, I just marvel at how you did that. Tell, tell us more without telling us everything. How's that? Right, that, that's fine. And, and, and I say, I, I don't mean to dance around the question, but I do think that the, the philosophical framework is important. Everything about the Institute, as you know, uh, and as anybody who's come to one of our concerts knows, is all revolves around that energy and excitement of live performance. Mm -hmm. You know, you and, and uh, you know, these, these concerts that we have in Stanton are just breathtaking for that reason people feel very invested in the performers and that we are really training them. And this is really kind of a key point, Marcello, that from the moment you walk out on stage at the Hybris Institute, all of your learning, all of your training, whether it's in your instrumental studio, whether it's in your communication class or a symposium or anything else that goes on, you're in charge. Yes. You, the student, what you're about to play is it all falls on your shoulders and that of your collaborator that you're working with. So, we had to kind of take that philosophy and transform that into this online realm, which still actually very much fulfilled that mandate was we were then teaching these students. We were basically teaching these students how to become, for lack of a better word, a studio musician. Yes. So they had to be in control of how they set up their recording gear. We sent them all recording gear and taught them how to become their own producers. They were in charge of setting up their own video shot. They were in charge of setting up their mic levels with our coaching, of course, mm -hmm. and our kind of mentoring them along the way. But the ultimate result, the final product, 
was something that they were responsible for, just like walking out on stage in France's auditorium. And we were there to kind of be the conduits and obviously the broadcast outlet for them. But all of that training and everything else still ultimately came down to them. Now, I am going to answer your question. Um, <laughs> You're doing just fine, Ben. <laughs> about, about collaboration in chamber music, because it's, it, it definitely is tricky. Mm. But we, we did help them learn, I think, some skills which we talk about a lot in our business, but students are often not really grasping its importance, mm-hmm. which is for all of these dazzling players, the art of listening. Yes. <laughs> the art of listening yes. to others. As you talk about correctly with chamber music, right, where you are needing to respond to and feel every breath and every note and every pause and what the, the rhythmic unity is going to be, that has to then transfer into my recording, my part. Maybe I'll record... Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'll record 16 bars of my second violin part. Mm -hmm. And then I will send that file to you, Marcello, and you're going to listen to that, and you're going to add your first violin part to that. Mm -hmm. And you're going to try it once, eh, and you try it twice, and you're going to try it three times, and then you're finally going to get it. And you're going to hear things and listen to things with an intensity that you've never done before in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the result that can come from this, what we call this a layered approach to recording, where people are literally exchanging files, and you can imagine that the degree of difficulty increases with each player that you add to this, right? Yes. But they really need to look at a score for a Beethoven quartet. They need to analyze it and say, okay, well, the cello takes the lead here. The cello should lead and record their part first and will follow. And really, because the viola has the supporting part, the viola should come second. And so then there's this whole kind of way of kind of looking at the DNA of a piece and and how Beethoven structured it to how you can realize it. So I think for every one of our students, they had an utterly new learning experience this summer overall, but especially with respect to how you make chamber music and you make other collaborative performances across this time and space spectrum. Well, I think you have found the silver lining, at least for music, as the Heifetz Institute helps create it. You have found the silver lining in this pandemic because that persistence and that camaraderie certainly has paid off and we are all learning, those of us who are open to it, we are all learning. I didn't invite you to be on the show necessarily for the reason I'm about to say, but <laughs> I am uh, I am embarking, as it turns out, on a musical that we had been working on since before the pandemic and now need to go into a studio with social distancing and recording it. But a lot of it has to be done uh, as as you have worked uh, this summer. So I'm getting educated too, I guess is my point. Uh, <laughs> wow. This is, yeah. this is wonderful. Well, Marcello, there is, there is a silver lining. I'm not going to disagree with you. Okay. And, and, and this has been interestingly among our faculty. I think there has been a kind of a generational difference about this as well. Yes. But with some surprising results, which is, you know, for a lot of our 
revered faculty members who, who really are, you know, giants in their field. Yes. They went into this kicking and screaming, you know, understanding that this is the only way that we could go forward. But that's not to say that they liked it or that it was really kind of a strange way for you. You know, I can't put my my fingers on on that fingerboard to mm. show them. You mm. know, how do you do this? But for I, I would say our our younger cohort of of faculty, they would come back to me and say, "Well, you know, there's actually things that we can do here that work better in this environment. Mm-hmm. Absent some of these other distractions, I can actually zoom in." and look at their bow hold. Yes. I can look at how they're doing this and I can see things in a different way than not being with them in the studio. They're actually <laughs> paying more attention. They're actually practicing more because they've got fewer distractions at home. Yes. So that there are there there definitely are some silver linings and what we were kind of hoping to do as a as a project goal over overall was that and what we said to our students was you're going to learn things this summer that will be invaluable for you, not just for the next three to six months, but mm. for your entire career. Exactly. exactly. And once you go into, you know, you're learning about things like, well, I mean, something that for us in the, in the radio business was second nature, right? How yes. do you handle a microphone? Yeah. So I'm explaining these concepts to students about, well, that's too hot. That's distorted. Mm. Here, you need to move the mic here. You might think about this pattern over here that you, you want to where you you place your mic relative to you you want and then it gets into the video realm about make sure you shoot in landscape and not portrait yes you know but so i think every single one of our students just acquired a whole bunch of knowledge and comfort in an area that many of them had just paid no attention to before absolutely i couldn't agree more and both as you say knowledge and comfort with that knowledge and that's the greatest thing about educational training of any kind, you get the ability, but the comfort zone that comes along with it that gives you that ease to come out, and as I I think you were alluding to earlier, to be yourself in the final analysis. You bring you to that performance, especially at the Heifetz International Music Institute. We're going to take a short break. Boy, this is quite a lesson. We are listening to the president and CEO of the Heifetz International Music Institute, Benjamin K. Rowe, located in Stanton, Virginia. We're going to talk a bit about Stanton when we come back, but we'll be hearing more about music in the new normal from Ben Rowe. Listen to what producer and director Linda Landra has to say about working with Marcello Rolando on the NBC daytime drama Another World. I love working with the fabulous Marcello Rolando with me on the other side of the camera, or microphone in this case. For years, Marcello was a splendid addition to the cast of Another World on NBC. He was the owner, manager, man in charge of Tops, our swanky restaurant in Bay City. And as a producer and director on the show, I got to see him more often than most and was thrilled to have him on board. I depended on him to take charge, which he did with a plum. Our cast, including the lovely Linda Dano, Stephen Schnetzer, Charles Keating, all remarked how special he was to have there. He made everyone, regular cast members and guest actors alike, feel special and welcome. Marcello adds a touch of class to whatever he does, and we were thrilled to have him with us on our show for such a long time. He is so thoughtful now to reach out to his peers for a conversation about how we're all surviving this pandemic. 
It's a challenge, but with each other's help and support, we will survive with more stories to tell. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, and my guest today, our Reasonable Voice today, is the president and CEO of the Heifetz International Music Institute, Benjamin K. Rowe, located in Stanton, Virginia. And I am just so fascinated about how the Heifetz International Music Institute, in large part due to his leadership and that of the, the faculty and the cooperation of the students, the openness of the students, how about that? That has been fascinating and we're going to do more of it, but just in case, I don't want us to leave thinking that a global pandemic is the only thing that Ben and the Heifetz International Music Institute has had to overcome lately. I love visiting Stanton, Virginia. It's a, an amazingly historic place. It's located in, in what I'll call a valley. When you, you leave from the downtown area, everything is uphill. And there are magnificent hills, and I love to go up there and see the view. But when there are two tremendous rainstorms with heavy damaging rain in the same month, rivers are made. You may recall Ellicott City. Tell us, Ben, how on earth it's Stanton and your neighbors downtown and the Heifetz International Music Institute. How did you guys come through those two storms? Well, we, as the Heifetz Institute, as it happens, our headquarters was spared. And most of the, when people think of Stanton have come to visit here, they think of the, the long strip that is Beverly Street. That's mm. Beverly with three E's, by mm -hmm. the way. Yes, yes. <laughs> So that was mostly spared, but you're correct in, in your analogy to Ellicott City, Maryland, which is that there is a river that actually runs through it, mm. and it's easy to forget because uh, so much of urban uh, renewal over the years, of course, it buried a lot of rivers. And so there is Lewis Creek, which feeds into, I believe it's the middle river mm. of the Shenandoah, but Lewis Creek runs down one of those hills and into downtown Stanton. Yes. And with the, uh, we had a couple of storms. I mean, it's extraordinary that, you know, I've lived in Stanton for six years, and in the space of 13 days, uh, we had two of the worst floods we've ever seen downtown, both of the result of thunderstorms essentially kind of parking themselves over Stanton yes. and just pelting them with three to five inches worth of rain. And, you know, all that water needs some place to go. Mm. So... We, fortunately, ourselves, uh, as an institute, were spared, but many of our closest collaborators, businesses, we take great pride in the kind of esprit de corps of the downtown uh, businesses, yes. and uh, we're a proud member of the Business Association, and we do a lot to support our neighbors, and they do a lot to support us, so it really has been just kind of horrific to watch this all unfold. And at the same time, heartwarming, what makes Stanton such a, mm -hmm. a unique, and I think special community around here is the way that people have pulled together to support each other, the fundraising that's gone on. We actually dedicated our final concert of the year for flood relief. So wow. we did a brief fundraiser that's being administered by the Community Foundation and the Downtown Development Association to essentially help these folks rebuild. And some businesses, even after two weeks, are already back in business and operating and offering their menus, and we're doing all that we can to help support that. Excellent. I'm not at all surprised. I'm certainly no authority on Stanton, Virginia. As I said, I visited there many, many times because 
Well, just something about it. You do step into history, and when mm. and when you do that, you begin to see people differently. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, and about the mission of the Heifetz Institute, I know we've been talking about it, but can you give us some some of the specifics of it? Sure. And of course, this is something that we have to think about philosophically in this new era. Yes. We were talking before about an online institute. Well, what does that mean in relation to being faithful to the mission? Because that really was one of the very first discussions that came up with this whole idea of maintaining what we do in a virtual realm. Yes. So I would say that people know the institute here, if you mentioned having come to Stanton, is through a summer festival that we run. Yes. Well, I mean, that's there's nothing especially unique about that. There are summer festivals that people have heard of, like Spoleto and Aspen and Tanglewood. And there, of course, there's dozens all over the map of festivals like that. In Charlottesville, you've got the Chamber Music Festival, which happens in September. So on the one hand, we're a summer festival, and we do six weeks' worth of concerts featuring our students and our faculty. And there's nothing particularly strange about that. But we are the only festival in the world, the only summer training program that is exclusively focused on what we call developing expressive potential of every musician. Mm -hmm. And what that means is teaching them not only about the heady aspects of playing, which mm -hmm. is technique, which is you know making sure that you can play those scales in tune and finding the expressive uh, interpretation of a Beethoven quartet. Well, I think we do that very well, but we're also not the only ones that do that. Mm -hmm. We are the only ones, however, that take each individual student, who are all fine players to begin with, I mean, exceptional young talents, people yes. who are destined for performing arts careers, and we say, okay, you can play that Tchaikovsky concerto, you know all the notes forward and backwards, and guess what? That isn't enough. Yes. That will not get you a career. You might get you a career of playing, you know, in the back of the violin section with the uh, San Antonio Symphony. If that's what you want, great. But we're here to help you unlock your potential as an expressive performer. Yes. We want you to have the tools and to learn and discover within yourself who your artistic personality is. And what that really boils down to is understanding and expressing the emotion of the music that you're playing. Mm. And this is something, and I've, I've said this till I'm blue in the face, and Daniel Heifetz said it before me, which is still not really taught or even acknowledged at most of our music training conservatories and music schools around the nation. Mm -hmm. you know, there they're focused on making sure you play the notes right. And it's not that we ignore that, but we do all of these techniques through uh, what Daniel invented called communication training, where we teach them about speaking in public. We teach them about body movement and yoga and the physicality of their playing mm -hmm. and how that all connects to their selves and to the emotional core of the music. Now, you can answer for yourself. I don't need to tell you that you'll go to a concert and there will be a performer that your attention is riveted to them. Yes. yes. Others, not so much. Mm -hmm. Well, what is it? What's that quality of a Yo-Yo Ma or a Joshua Bell? What do they have? Because oftentimes, yes, they've got great technique, but there's something more than that. Why is it that there is a performer like that or the late Isaac Stern that people just sort of couldn't take their eyes off of? Mm -hmm. Well, so much of it was that they were essentially 
bringing out their inner personality through their music and adding their own layers of interpretation to whatever Tchaikovsky or Beethoven was writing about. And that's what we're trying to teach at the Hybris Institute. It seems to me also something that you're teaching is this is not just something you learn in a studio or, for that matter, to do in a performance, but you're actually teaching them when they're on their own in their studios, in their collaborations, in their relationships. You are teaching them how to become this performer even when you're not there on the other end of Zoom or in the same studio giving the instruction. I think... Uh, tell well, us, that's right. Yes. And we talk about, well, in normal times, we've talked, Marcello, about the crucible of live performance. Yes. So we, we used to talk about the, the Institute as a three-legged stool. So one leg is the high-level instrumental training, mm. which we do not shirk. The second leg is this secret sauce we call the communication training, where you might have one-on-one -on -one counseling sessions, you might take classes in public speaking, improvisation, in drama, in dance, in movement, in yoga. And the third one is, how do you unite these two things and all those other aspects and actually do them on stage? Not in front of your mirror, but how do you come out and do it on stage in front of an audience and discover something about yourself that you can share with an audience? Yes. And what we had to do this summer, as I said, this we used to say this and we still believe in it, but the crucible now is, or certainly for this summer, has been taking both of those elements and all those other elements we, we've discussed and then having to somehow break through that wall of the screen yes. and make that something compelling that you've created in your bedroom, <laughs> you yeah. know, or that you've, you've created there in your living room along with the, the colleague who might be in Taiwan and the other colleague who might be in Spain and one who might be in Florida and one yes. who might be in Texas, which, by the way, was the case this summer. Yes, yes. Hey, you're answering all my questions. I should have just phoned it in. Um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you've mentioned now twice some of the different geographic areas from which virtual university was operating and learning and, you know, trial by fire and all of that. But um, right. that makes me want to ask you, where do the students come from? When they're able to come to Stanton, Virginia, where do they come from to study there? Generally speaking, we have students in a typical year, they come from anywhere from a dozen to two dozen countries. We have a sizable cohort of students from Asia. So this summer, about about 30% of our students were overseas. And overseas, in this case, was Taiwan, South Korea, Hong Kong, China, Malaysia, Spain, France, Israel, I know I'm uh, UK, Germany, which is sort of pretty typical. But interestingly, and again, another kind of uh, takeaway for us is that we had students attending this summer online who for their financial situation and their location could not possibly have attended in person yes and that was that was kind of instructive to us mm -hmm. of course we have several students that come from canada as well and we have had students in the past from brazil and kazakhstan and russia and uzbekistan and you know literally from all over mm -hmm. so 
one of the great things about the Institute here in Stanton is that we have this incredible cross-section of geography that comes here to this little, you know, I think rather nice spot here in, in the Shenandoah. Uh-huh. But looking ahead, you know, we also know that travel may not be possible for some time to come. Mm-hmm. So that for us is another way of how we imagine the Institute truly as an international music institute, as is in our name. And certainly for us, you know, the fact that we have close to 8 million views on YouTube and 35,000 subscribers is a big driver for that, too. People literally around the world know how to find the Hyphus Institute online. You know, I don't know what to say about you, Ben. My very next question, how has YouTube worked for you at the Hyphus You know, it's like... (laughs) <laughs> I didn't, folks, I didn't send in my questions, I promise. Uh, but that was my, my next question, because I know you a huge presence on YouTube, and that is impacting, I guess, especially now, I would think, in a very positive way, on well, you in the school. Well, true confession time yes. is that you know, I used to be in your business. So uh, yes. before coming to the Hybris Institute, I was in broadcasting. Yes. So philosophically... No, my coming to the Institute, I'm a firm believer in creating and owning your content. Yes. So we invested from the word go for the word go for me is actually now six years. Mm -hmm. But we invested in saying that we really going to make a priority of capturing in as high fidelity as possible everything that we record at the Hyvis Institute, both audio and video. Yes. So that turned out to be not only helped us kind of get some uh, healthy traffic and good marketing support via our online and YouTube channels and things like that, but then looking to this summer, I suddenly had an incredible archive of yes. concerts yes. that people, many had not seen before, which helped us to kind of supplement and flesh out our programming so that we could offer online the same degree and intensity and I hope high quality that people would normally get from us in the summertime. Yes. So it turned out to have been a pretty worthwhile investment for us. Absolutely. Well, one last question. At least I can ask this one, although you have mentioned the institution already. Mary Baldwin University is, of course, taking the same precautions uh, similar to the University of Virginia and all other institutions that realize we love our art, but we don't want to die for it. So where and how are your performances and concerts seen or heard? Now, I know YouTube is one outlet. Are there any other places? Where do we go? Where do we go to hear your students perform? Well, again, the the easiest thing might be to just go to our website, hyphensinstitute.org. But what we did this summer was create what we called the virtual concert hall called Hyphens Rubato. And... That and we did some partnerships with other online organizations. So basically, every single concert we did, and we did 49 in all, plus a daily Bach performance in the morning, was streamed via our Facebook page, via our YouTube channel, via our own website, with excerpts on Instagram and other places. So at the end of the day, we reach something like 2 million individual viewers. Wow. So <laughs> that's a lot more than can fit into Francis Auditorium. That's right. That's right. 
Well, I, you know, and we've reached the point where we must ask for contact information. So let's let's give some of those social media links for us before we go. But I am so pleased to have had this conversation with you. Tell us now, just a little slower, that website and how do we get to see you on YouTube and, and Facebook, etc. Whatever, sure. you, wherever we, you think you want us to go. Well, I would say the very easiest thing to do, of course, it is just HaifetzInstitute.org, but the, maybe the easiest thing to do is just go to your, your Google or your Bing browser or Yahoo, whatever else you use, and just type in Heifetz Institute. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and that will basically point you to our YouTube channel, to Facebook, to uh, any other places that uh, you might be consuming your media uh, these days. Yes. All right. That's excellent. Ben, you know, because I know you so much in your position with the Heifetz International Music Institute, I don't think about you as a radio person until the moment I we start talking, I went, oh, yes. <laughs> so I'm not at all surprised you were, you know, you were ahead of every question. But we covered them all anyway, even if you answered them before I asked them. Uh, okay, Marcello. <laughs> no, no, no. It's always great to talk to you. And today was so today was so enlightening uh, and so informative. Are you? Do you have any virtual plans for the fall? I know you used to do a great deal of touring in the fall and the holidays. That's a great question. Our touring is on pause right now for obvious reasons. Okay. But we are right now planning a plethora of events. Uh, having to do with our concert series. We started this Beethoven concert series last spring mm -hmm. with the Borromeo Quartet, uh, which is going to continue in the virtual realm starting on October 5th, and we'll be making announcements about that. We're exploring with Mary Baldwin uh, some interesting residencies and a hybrid program of both in-person and online work. That's up in the future. We have a, a number of things that we're looking at as takeaways from what we did over the summer and how we will apply them going forward. Nothing I can talk about in great detail yet, but what? I will very soon. And you will come back on our radio show and talk about it. Okay, twist my arm. <laughs> ben, it's, it's just been amazing. We have been learning a great deal about how to create art at its best, even during a global pandemic, from the president and CEO of the Heifetz International Music Institute in Stanton, Virginia, with students from around the world. Thank you so much, Ben, truly. I really am so happy we had this opportunity. Thank you, and of course, we always wish you and all the students and faculty, and Daniel Heifetz, Nicholas Kitchen as well. Thank you so very much. All the best, okay? Always a pleasure to speak with you, Marcello. Same here. Bye now. Till next time. Hello, I'm Sue Friedman, former president and CEO of the Alzheimer's Association Central and Western Virginia chapter, and currently the executive director of the Jefferson School Foundation, which owns and manages the Jefferson School City Center in Charlottesville, Virginia. In both positions, I have wisely chosen to employ Marcello Rolando's talents and gifts as advisor, consultant for projects involving our boards, membership supporters, and our larger circle of extended associates. In every case, his advice has proven to be sound, clear, and actionable. 
In addition, as an on-camera director and teacher, he has directed and produced a number of publicity, marketing, and branding videos, and doing so has proven his expertise in working with professionally experienced video production crews, as well as his uncanny ability and patience when working with a non-actor, performer, spokesperson to produce the most favorable branding products. After the production completes filming, his keen, detail-oriented director's eye guides editors on his team to an informative and emotionally impactful finished product. If you need more to engage this talented professional, let me add that I, like many, have been a guest on Marcello's podcast, The Reasonable Voices, with exceptional results. Thank you for this opportunity. This is Sue Friedman encouraging you to contact Marcello Rolando. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the Reasonable Voices heard round the world. For all who ravenously tell the worst lie of all, the lie we tell ourselves. Favorably impressed by Senators Rand Paul and John Mason, cajoled by the opportunistic scallywags Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, hoodwinked by delinquents Devin Nunes and Trey Gowdy, then you are likely dangerously close to having your common sense sheared by the fork-tongued grandmaster of hypocrisy and deceit whose every well-oiled syllable is calculated to cannibalize the citizenry's power of reason while soiling the very mantle of statesmanship. Mitch McConnell when every Republican senator voted no to helping Americans while knowing the truth, the oft-touted superior USA education system, reliable infrastructure, and dependable power grids were myths long before COVID, but are now frigidly exposed by the corroded commitment of our chosen, arrogance-filled human demitosses, led by a commander in moral bankruptcy, ranting tomfoolery sermons, waving the white supremacist flag of supreme violence when sore from losing, all while departing in the opposite direction of his directed target, anticipating celebrating in the safety of his Führer bunker among inner circle of self-deceived automatons. In lieu of the character to concede, the Putin pretender replays his ditty, the art of the deal dealing democracy decay by denying defenders under siege defenders. Proudly, the vessels of fear programmed by the hateful venom of bushwhackers deteriorated democracy 20 January 2017 through 6 January 2021, contradicting the human value of workers essential to America's stability while keeping their oath to prevent constitutional elections and medical health care personnel from keeping theirs, despite a global pandemic. These Republicans claim they're the party for small businesses, yet after forcing them to close and lose income to save lives from COVID variants, they are sacrificed within the conservative mantra of, it's too expensive to care, believing our taxes are congressional private slush fund, remaining unmasked in lockstep with their current favorite son, evidently believing one day, just like a miracle, it will just disappear, the GOP averts its eyes from a half a million Americans dying alone. In callous alignment with ex-presidential hoax, Senators Graham of South Carolina, Gates of Florida, 
Gosser of Arizona, Brooks of Alabama, and the winner of them all, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, wipe their ill-gotten gain on our Constitution, accepting no shame for themselves. Such men dishonor their oath of office and country, for true patriots don't lie for traitors who incite scoundrels to beat Capitol Police or Asian Americans or attempt to hang a sitting vice president or, believing black lives never mattered, protect those who randomly kill them. When conservative is now defined by our current Congress and red state legislatures attempting to limit our American privilege to vote, and further, by extremists invading our military and police forces, how, in the wake of events between 3 November 2020 and 6 January 2021, are we to entrust our economy, our health care, and our children's climate change future with elected leaders unwilling to condemn violence against our constitutional law in the land of opportunity. Until we recapture our connective roots with a thriving middle class, we will not be able to scale the Rubicon separating militants believing in corporatism's financially rented might is right, and patriotic self-sacrificing Samaritans working multiple shifts as essential first responders all across America, living with the trauma and potential of losing another grocery store clerk, bank teller, tutor, doctor, nurse, significant other, veteran, teacher, student, friend, grandparent, family member, or patient. Those, whether by acclamation, consenting silence, or glazed over by redundant media, who actively or passively stand back and stand by, while the malice aforethought of proud boys and girls, QAnon and Faustian oath-keepers, heap death upon Americans— are accessories sharing an enormous portion of the treasonous responsibility for the misinformation, economic desperation, and anti-democracy insurrection heaped upon the innocent, courageous, and patriotic souls who understand that, one, tear-gassing a peaceful Black Lives Matter protest for a Bible photo op is not grounds for sainthood. Two, it is neither patriotic nor is there any glory in using old glory to attack Capitol Police. Three, those who deem themselves superior to any other human being for reasons of color, gender, sex, religious beliefs, or income are paranoid. Four, all who commit violence proclaiming it is an act of loving God and country are simply traitors in spirit and fact to Lincoln's Gettysburg Address and America's Constitution, particularly its Bill of Rights and 14th Amendment. So, let us now affirm we hold these truths to be self-evident. All of us are created equally deserving of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, as long as we do not infringe on the constitutional rights of others through harassment, intimidation, or violent acts. Two, indeed the poor will always be with us, but... Our rising tide that rejects corporatism's greed and dishonest leaders will lift all our boats. And finally, each of us is blessed with talents which, once discovered and shared beyond family and self, will truly save the world from human destruction. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. To engage Varcello Rolando, please call 202-715-0020 or email him at marcello at marcellorolando.com. And remember, 
Both Marcello and Rolando are spelled with two L's, M-A-R-C-E-L-L-O. For more information, visit www.marcellorolando.com. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard around the world.